0: Here we are at last. Today, we're going to wrap up this series of messages that uh, we have called Love is a Verb. Um, Jesus has taught us that love cannot stay with us. As God loves us, as the Father loves us, and Jesus says it this way, as He loves us, so we must love others. It just it can't stay with us. We love others as He loves us. John 13, 34, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the question becomes, how is it that we can love others? What is it that we can do by, by our love becoming an action? And so we've based this series of messages on Isaiah 117. And it says, Learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. As I am digging into this today, by the way, you'll find the message notes in the church's app. Um, just go to the church app and uh, you can actually, I think, text the words Lantana app to 77977. It'll take you there. Or the Bible app today. If you go to the Bible app, by the way, they have some, they had a mess up. So it's going to be the very top uh, one of those notes there. But I would encourage you to also, because there's, there's going to be quite a bit of scripture today. All right, so we're talking about justice. Remember, and so I'm going to recap for just a moment, if you can bear with me, before we get into uh, today. But remember that really the Bible, the Bible speaks of different types of justice, but two types of themes, justice themes, emerge, and that's rectifying justice and primary justice. Rectifying justice being setting right something that went wrong um, or paying somebody what they have coming. And it is, we often interpret it as negative, but it's not always negative. Sometimes it's, it's positive also. We're giving somebody something that they deserve. And then there is uh, the other kind of justice, primary justice, which if we all lived according to primary justice, if we gave people what they deserved in the first place, then there would be no need for rectifying justice. It's justice done to others, setting wrong things right, taking care of people. Okay, that's kind of the, the theme, the, the underlying theme of what we've been talking about. Uh, we've talked about helping the marginalized who are being trafficked. That's one of the first things that we talked about with uh, Amanda and Steve Pettit, if you remember that. By the way, if you'd like to be involved in that ministry, it's called Rescue Hill, and um, they deal with uh, trafficked Uh, individuals in uh, sex trafficking and in uh, slave uh, trafficking, labor trafficking. It's all things that they deal with. In fact, we have found out that as they're getting rolling, they've had uh, several trafficking victims that have come through the Rescue Hill ministry in Arlington and uh, even had their first Guest who has stayed there, so um, it's it's an amazing ministry. I would encourage you, if that's of interest to you, to be involved in that. Uh, We also talked about what true religion is: religion being devotion to God, um, different from what we might understand religious to be. Is taking care of widows and orphans, according to James. And then we read in Matthew chapter twenty-five. This was a hard one. Jesus tells us when we have either done or not done something. For the least of these, we have either done or not done it to Him. So we've got to be careful to make sure that we don't rely on the church or the government to do what God has called us to do. It's our responsibility as Christians to take care of uh, those people. And then last week we talked about a, a very sensitive subject of race and ethnicity and gender discrimination. In Ephesians, and I, I just love this, in Ephesians Paul talks about our role as Uh, Gentiles and the fact that there was a great spiritual divide between us and God it was really a spiritual divide set up by God when he went to Abraham and said I will bless all nations through you but he told Abraham I'm going to set you apart right and so God created this spiritual divide but then so we read about that spiritual divide between us and the Jews Uh, The way Paul says it in Ephesians, we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Man, and that's hard to hear because we were without hope. We were hopelessly lost. And and I love that if you read that scripture and you follow it. We were hopelessly lost. We had no hope. There was no hope. Promise of anything for us but God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ and the grace of God, He has made a way. We have been reconciled to God. Through Jesus Christ, praise his name. And this is where we talked about last week. Maybe we need to take a praise break for just a minute and give thanks to God that he has made a way by Jesus Christ, only by his grace, through our faith, and his uh, mercy. It's awesome. Since we have been, since by Jesus we have been spiritually reconciled to God then surely we can be reconciled through these race and gender and ethnic differences that we have. And and that's even what Paul talks about. The hope that we have to be reconciled to God is the same hope that we have to be reconciled to each other. In fact, as we dug into it, we find out that um, all of the racial strife of all day, all the inheritance, I mean, all the gender strife of our day, the our inheritance is a reconciled people, all one nation, and God calls that thing the kingdom of God, where all people are welcome in, where the poor are welcome, where the marginalized are welcome, where people of different ethnicities are welcome, where people of all genders are welcome. I'm, I'm saying, it's one big, happy, loving family. We make jokes about that. Like, where can we find that in this world? And there's no happiness, and there's no peace, and there's no... And the whole time, God's laughing saying, but yeah, there is. I created it. It's called my kingdom. Won't you please step in? It's the kingdom of God. What a journey we've been on. And, and I think it's obvious that we're getting to the heart of God. Just who is God at his heart? Who, who is he? Since God is love, and since he has loved and welcomed us into his kingdom, he wants us to love others. God has had grace on us, and he wants us to extend grace to others. When somebody says, God met my need, do we think that God, by his own hand, uh, came down and did something and met that person's need? Physically. He's working through us to meet their needs. God needs us to be His conduits to reach people. Something we've talked about at length is His desire for us to love others. His heart as an expression of love is that we do good and seek Justice and rescue the oppressed and defend the orphan and plead for the widow. That is God's heart. I feel like once we have grasped this idea of justice, once we've truly understood what it is, once we really get the depth of the justice He's called us to, we'll be able to apply it to every situation in our lives. Before we wrap up the series, I'd like to address one more issue that is very prevalent in our society. Another issue that we have to be vigilant not to let politics hijack. And I hope that you've taken me at my word and understood that everything that I've said through this series has no political basis whatsoever. It's all biblical and it's scriptural. And I, I invite you to study the scriptures that I'm studying. Read the scriptures that... We are reading together and really dig into the heart of what God wants for us. Today, I'd like to talk about justice for immigrants. And as we talk about this today, you're going to notice that at times it sounds very familiar. It's going to sound like things that we've talked about, we're talking about again today, but that's because so often in the scriptures when God begins to address the marginalized, he's including everything we've talked about. The, the orphans and the widows and the poor and, and the hungry and the homeless and the immigrants, he's addressing all of them. Marginalized people are people that don't really fit into our circle. They're people who are kind of left out. And we, as the kingdom of God, as believers of Jesus Christ, we have to accept them. So the scripture today is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And it says this, Your love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to each other with mutual affection. Excel at showing respect for each other. Never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. I love that. That's a whole different different thing. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in trouble, and persistent in prayer. Supply the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers. So first, let me just address the elephant in the room, the political element Surva- uh, surrounding immigration. You know, immigration is, is difficult. Why is it so difficult for us in the United States to talk about immigration? It's one of the most difficult issues in our nation today. And as we dig into this, remember that the United States of America is a nation of immigrants. We were founded by immigrants. I would dare say everybody in here is, unless you... Uh, Yeah, everybody in here is going to be an immigrant at some point or other, or have a family of immigrants. But, you know, God dealt with this with Israel. He reminded them in Deuteronomy chapter 10. He said, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods. And Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. So depending on where you fall on the political spectrum, we probably will think differently about immigration policy. The way that I think about immigration policy in the United States is probably going to be different than the way you think about it. And these politics make this discussion a difficult discussion. You know, as I've been thinking through these tough issues, I want you to know that I really only want what God wants. I mean, if, I could be, if you could see into my heart, you would see that I want His thoughts to be my thoughts. I want his heart to be my heart. And a prayer that I I was taught by a a friend and mentor to pray is, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And to be honest, it's a scary prayer, but it's an effective prayer because I began to see people differently. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. So as we talk about this, I hope you know that about me. So in, in talking about immigrants, what are we talking about? An immigrant is someone who settles in a country or region that they were not Native to. Alright? Statistics are all over the place on this, but the best I could find is the United States admitted around 400,000 immigrants to the United States last year. And ac- according to, the Pew, to Pew Research, nearly 80% of all immigrants are documented. We would hear from politicians that, the, you know, they, they use numbers differently, but that, that's what Pew Research says they estimate that there's approximately 47 million immigrants in the United States today. And we have by far the largest immigrant population of any country, and we have the most immigrants wanting to come to the United States of any other country. Nearly 15% of the 328 million people in the United States are immigrants. So when I'm looking at that, And I'm reading how God is talking to us about treating immigrants. I'm thinking, what a mission field there is for us. What a a great ministry for us to have a ministry to immigrants. So where are we going with this? I'm not going to deny that there are tough issues to talk about in dealing with immigration. And and so I want you to know the purpose of this is not that. I have no desire to discuss policy. Uh, I don't want to get into what what immigration means for the country or or other things. I am not a politician. While the country and political powers uh, wrestle with immigration policy and how to keep this country safe, I'm reminded that we are still a nation of hope for those who are hopeless. I'm also reminded that I am an immigrant. I'm a spiritual immigrant. And if I want to get back into my family, my family are not native to this land. I'm a spiritual immigrant. This is not my home. And I have to remind myself, especially in this political uh, season, that I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. My citizenship is in the kingdom. And to tell you the truth, that has freed me from so much anger and resentment, I feel, of, of people who have such... Varying and uh, opinions, and that I disagree with, because then I remember, oh wait a minute, this isn't my final place. I'm a part of something bigger and better, this thing called the kingdom of God. Now I'm not naive to think that things are not uh, going to be put into place that will affect me here on this earth, and obviously I I want good things for my family. So I'm going to vote, and I hope you vote. But I'm just saying that I'm not hung up on it because this is not my citizenship. And the way immigrants are treated, this is not a new problem. Let's just read through some different references. There's several references in addition to ours today that throughout the Scriptures that deal with immigrants. Exodus 22:21: 21, You shall neither mistreat a stranger, nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land in Egypt. And then go to Leviticus chapter 19. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall, not, uh, shall be to you as one born among you. <laughs> it's God telling him, right? Someone who's not from there but is, is there, you shall treat like one of your own. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, I have read the scriptures my whole life, most of my life. And as I was getting ready for this and kind of researching how how do we present this, God, what is it that you want? I've, I've, st- I've just found this. I, I, I just never pieced this together. The word translated as stranger in the Hebrew is lima. L-E-M-A. Lima. And its root means foreigner. So when, when we read stranger, actually Old and New Testament, we should hear foreigner. The term for stranger, which is translated foreigner, are often based upon geographical differences. Right, I was a stranger, maybe rendered as I came from another country. <laughs> it's interesting. Now, now let's put this in context with what we've been talking about the last few weeks. When you, when you see uh, Exodus twenty one, you shall or twenty two, excuse me, you shall neither mistreat a stranger, a foreigner, nor oppress him, for you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Hmm. Let's go to what we talked about the last couple of weeks. Ephesians 2.12. At that time, you were separate from Christ. Now, I need you guys to listen to this, okay? Because at home, if you're making a, you know, a smoothie, listen for just a minute. At that time, you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Now, when we were talking last week about the depravity of our situation as Gentiles, see it under this light now. Separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship. Foreigners to the covenants of the promise. In other words, we had no right to it. No ability to get it. No legal pathway to find ourselves into citizenship of the kingdom of God. The most hopeless of all situations, spiritually. And this is why I was talking last week. So we paint this picture of complete and total spiritual depravity, right? And then our praise break, but God. Maybe somebody at home shouting, But God, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Not only, okay, so depravity, but God has brought us into his kingdom, admitted us as citizens, but I'll do you one better. Not only now are we citizens of his kingdom, we are members of his family. He said, I'll do you one better. Not only will I let you into the kingdom, I'm going to welcome you into my home. Because for them, family meant, build yourself a piece of house onto my mansion, my house. We talked about that before, right? He says, you are not only now citizens of my country, you are members of my household. I have adopted you in. It's pretty great. Matthew 25, this will scare you. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. Remember, we talked about this. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And they'll say, God or Jesus, when did we do this? This is at the final judgment, right? The last day of, of eternity, or not of eternity, but the last day before we enter our eternity, and he's judging, and he's separating the sheep from the goats. Remember, Matthew 25. And they'll say, hey, when did we see you hungry? When When did we see you a stranger? When did we know you a foreigner and invite you in? When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. This is Jesus equating himself to a foreigner who was, by the way, a refugee immigrant when he was born. When you invited him in, you did it for me. But to the cursed, what did he say? I was hungry. You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. I was a foreigner. And you did not invite me in. Away from me. Because I never knew you. (laughs) That might break your heart. So... I think we can agree, understand. So to separate policy from God's call in our lives. Okay, just do that for a moment. I think we can agree that what God has called us to is to take care of the immigrant, to welcome the immigrant, to uh, do all we can for the immigrant. It's 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 like do a study on this. I was talking, Sarisa and I, we had dinner with Dr. Porter last night, and he was sharing with us some of these things and. Uh, he's experienced firsthand because he grew up in Puerto Rico as a missionary, an immigrant there, and then he came here. He has a unique perspective on what it means. And he was just talking, and he's, he's, he's so smart on the scripture. He was just rattling off in this scripture, and this, told him what I was talking about. Um, he's speaking at a, a, another church this morning, but he started rattling this scripture and this scripture and this scripture, and I was like, man, my notes are already done. I don't know if I can put all those things in there, but it's, It's evident what God has called us to do. What what, what is he wanting us to do? Here's one thing. Don't forget that we were once strangers. We were once strangers. We were alienated from God. We were never entitled to God's grace. We were trespassers as foreigners. and With the way immigrants are treated, which isn't anything new, by the way, we're seeing... We have to remember that there are souls at stake. At the end of the day, we've got to push through policy, and we've got to push through politics, and wherever you land on that is fine. You do whatever. I don't want to speak to that. I just want to speak to what God has called us to do. Welcoming the immigrants, taking care of them. There are souls at stake. There are immigrants in our nation documented and undocumented, who need to know Jesus Christ, who need to be made a citizen of the kingdom of God, who are waiting on their immigrant papers to join our kingdom. Freely available. As Christians, we have to realize that Christian hospitality requires us to be the salt and the light of Jesus to the world. Also understand that this world is not our own. This world, its customs, and its cultures are not ours. I don't belong. You don't belong. We are on a spiritual pilgrimage. I think this might be especially hard for People in the United States, because it, the way we're brought up, the way we understand the world has so greatly influenced how we are as Christians. And then even deeper into that are people from Texas. <laughs> because God has, no, he hasn't blessed Texas, right? That's what we want to say, though. He blessed Texas, like the song says, with his own hand. <laughs> brought down angels from the promised land. That's the way we feel about it. We love Texas, and, and we have been taught to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and to take care of things, and Texas people are my people. It's not true. There is no my people. You are my people. <laughs> the kingdom of God, you're my people. I love Texas. Hook'em horns. <laughs> I can say that yesterday, by the way. <laughs> Two weeks ago, not so much. Everything we've been talking about influences this. It is our job as Christian brothers and sisters to help those in need. It is our job to welcome in the marginalized, to welcome in the strangers, to welcome in the hungry, to welcome in the poor. And I'll, I'll say this, God has given us Myself, the leaders of the church, others of you are beginning to to see this vision God has given us to be a multicultural, multiracial church. And we're going to welcome in people of every origin and every ethnicity into this church with open arms. Because that's what God has called us to be. That is what the kingdom looks like. Remember, Leviticus 19, the alien living with you must be treated as one of your native-born. Love him as yourself. If you want to get deep into it, this is one of the things Dr. Porter mentioned to me last night. Love your neighbor as yourself, the golden rule, is talking about a foreigner. (laughs) When you get into the, the Greek and the meaning and all that. Leviticus 19 love treat them like one of your native born and love them as yourself and to the immigrants among us so many of you have come to America with tremendous stories of spiritual strength I want to hear your story we need to hear your story some of you have suffered religious persecution that we'll never know. Some of you have suffered economic depravity that I can't understand. War in your country of origin that I've not experienced. Um, Oppressive leadership within governments that we can't fathom. We want to know how God helps you through those difficult times and brought you to be among us. And I know we have quite a few here, so tell your story. We want to know. God has called us to care for the immigrant. That's what it means to do justice. I'm going to read a scripture to close this series of messages, not just this message. And this scripture completely encompasses everything that we've talked about over the last six weeks. Sometimes I wonder why don't I just read... (laughs) Just read the scripture, you know, and then we can go home and be done with it. But God lays things on my heart. God, I think He wants us to understand, to dive deep, to, to translate culture that we don't understand in the scripture, understand what he, God's trying to tell us. But in Romans chapter 12, which was the beginning of what we talked about today, so just imagine this as a summary of everything we've talked about. Your love must be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to each other with mutual affection. Excel at showing respect for each other. Never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in trouble, persistent in prayer. And I think that's, that's one that caught me when I was reading this. Are we persistent in our prayer? Supply the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Keep on blessing them and never curse them. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Cry with those who are crying. Live in harmony with each other. Do not be arrogant, but associate with humble people. Do not think that you are wiser than you really are. Do not pay anyone back evil for evil, but focus your thoughts on what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. Remember that next time you're going to tweet or post on Instagram or Facebook. Do not take revenge, dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will pay them back, declares the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, for he is thirsty, give him a drink. If you do this, you will pile burning coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Everything we've been talking about, filled with love, changes the way we live, changes the way we perceive people, changes the way we think, changes the way we speak, changes the way we post, changes the way we text, changes everything. Because we realize we're not a part of this world, but we're a part of the kingdom. And this is, if if anybody ever says, so what does the kingdom of God look like? Point them here. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 read forward. That's the kingdom. That's where we're living. Every social issue we've talked about, caring for the marginalized, like the widows and the orphans and the poor and the immigrants and all of that, that's going to happen if we live like that. So, I hope you guys can see a specific way that God has called us to live. And to be honest, I love it. It's such a better way to live. For me, there's so much less stress in my life as I give up the anger that I was holding on to before. Mad about this. Can't believe they said that. Can you see what they did over there? (laughs) Really, it's just such a better way to live. It does get a little tougher. We can all say, oh yeah, I'm going to take care of the orphans and then somebody asks you to let one move in with you, oh, well, we got to be ready. This is what it is. Because we're not living for here, we're living for there. This morning, I can't think of a better way to wrap our time up together than by a time of communion. At our church, we don't require that you be a member of our church, only... That you believe in Jesus Christ. And because of COVID, we have um, packets of communion on your table. And if you're watching at home, I'll give a moment to grab yourself a, a, a cup of water or juice or something. And then um, some bread or crackers to take your communion. The important thing is not so much what we take communion with, but that we remember what Jesus did did for us. Remembering how on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he said, take and eat. This is my body which will be broken for you. We recall as well how in the same way when the meal was over, he took the cup, the cup of blessing and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and drink. This is my blood, the blood of a new covenant which will be shed for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So I invite you this morning to take the bread and remember that his body was broken for us. In fact, let me say it this way. His body was broken just for you. Take his body this morning. just read when the meal was over he took the cup the cup of blessing and he gave it to his disciples and he said take and drink this is his blood the blood of a new covenant that releases us to love each other when you do this do it in remembrance of me so this morning take and drink and remember Jesus and his sacrifice God this morning we're reminded of what you did for us and we read the scripture today that says not only did you welcome us into your kingdom as immigrants as foreigners but you welcomed us into your family you have adopted us thank you Jesus for your sacrifice that we remember this morning that brought us to you. Now help us to remember as we deal with marginalized people in our life every day, the ones that we continually talk about, Father, the poor and the hungry and the widows and the homeless and and orphans among us and immigrants, God, would you just, they're people that seem to not fit in society, but they will fit into your kingdom. Help us to welcome them in because they are our people. Help us to remember not to put allegiance to our state or our country over allegiance to you. You are the most important thing. Your kingdom is first in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.